Hello and welcome. You've tuned into Active Listening with T4 Tactics. I'm Marco Galbraith, your host, and our podcast is all about personal success and networking. We'll discuss small business tips, health and wellness issues, personal safety tips, financial gain, and a variety of other topics from professionals in the field. And once in a while, we'll throw in our area of expertise, firearm safety and active shooter response for businesses, churches, and schools. So sit back, relax, listen, and learn. Active listening with T4 Tactics. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode with Active Listening. I'm Marco Galbraith, your host, and today we've got LPD, Lynchburg Police Department in Lynchburg, Virginia, Chief Ryan Zudema here. We're going to talk about uh, some issues that come up quite quite often with um, the people with master's degrees from uh, Facebook University. So hopefully that we can uh, we can get the facts out there about how, how police departments work. A lot of police departments in this country are accredited, so they pretty much follow the same guidelines and policies. So this will give you an idea about um, what we're dealing with here in, in uh, Lynchburg and, and try to get some, some facts out there. So welcome. Thank you for having me, Marco. I appreciate it. What's your background? So, like, when did you start? You started with LPD? Yes, yeah, so yeah. I started with LPD uh, January of 1997, so a little over 23 and a half years ago or so. Yeah. I uh, kind of started as a patrol officer, worked my way up through the ranks, uh, had assignments uh, as a uh, bike patrol officer way back in the 90s. Yeah. I was a canine handler for about six years. Uh, I served on our tactical unit for about 10 years. Uh, as both an operator and a boss, uh, and then I was also assigned to our criminal investigations division uh, in various assignments over the years in different ranks. I uh, worked as a, a chief staff officer, uh, uh, was a captain where I got to manage budget and grants and all mm-hmm. those fun things like oh, that. Oh, yeah, and, exciting. Yeah, and then uh, made my way up through a deputy chief, uh, eventually becoming the chief about a year and a half ago or so. Yeah, year and a half. Okay, so you've been through. So you know, um, you know, there's some chiefs out there that go to college, they're made chiefs, little, very little police experience. So you know what these guys and girls are dealing with on the street. You've been there, and you've worked in a lot of different divisions. Yeah, and I mean, obviously, <clears throat> police work continues to evolve, and, uh, you know, the men and women that we have out there today doing work on the front line. Uh, uh, God bless them all. Hats off to them. Oh, because, absolutely. Because uh, their job is much more difficult uh, than mine was 20 years ago when I started. Absolutely. I've been retired since 2007, and just the changes are uh, are just amazing. The changes. Uh, 9-11 changed things, and, and Rodney Keene back in the day, you know, that changed absolutely. things. And now we're seeing George Floyd, and other things are being changed. So hiring process for LPD. I come in, fill out an application, the next day I'm in a police car, right? Is that how it works? <laughs> I wish it was that simple. Uh, I, I really do. But, uh, no, the hiring process is something that uh, is a lengthy uh, process. We've taken a lot of steps over the last few years to c- try and condense that down uh, without losing the integrity of that process. But, you yeah. know, we hire, uh, on average, about 2 to 3% of the people that apply to us. So, yeah. uh, you know, it's a very selective process. It starts out with getting a personal history statement from folks. Uh, we move in to do a, what we call a preliminary background check, checking your DMV record, your criminal history, credit history, things like that. Uh, We then move on to a a physical agility test. Uh, There's a written test, an oral review board. Uh, If you continue to pass each of those, any one of those by themselves can knock you out. But uh, if you continue to move on, we put you through a polygraph examination. Uh, We then put you into a full background investigation where we will honestly know more about you than probably your parents or your spouse uh, when we're done. Um, and then assuming all that looks good, uh, we'll move into a conditional offer of employment, and that's based on the condition you're able to pass a medical examination um, as well as a psychological examination. And we just, within the last couple of years, uh, really enhanced our psychological examination. Uh, we use some uh, 
doctors up at UVA, mm-hmm. um, and I'll tell you, we've screened uh, more people out probably over the last few years since we started using them than we had in the past. And, really? Uh, you know, I, I think on the one hand, it's it's difficult to obviously use it's fewer people, but I feel much more confident that you know the the level of officers that we're getting through this current screening process is uh, is going to provide the best uh, officers to serve our community. So once they get through all of that stuff, right, yeah. then uh, they get go through a command staff review uh, all the way up through myself to eventually sign off on them, and then uh, that's just the start, right? So that yeah. just means they get to come to work, and then we send them to the police academy for about a six month window there. We get them out of the academy because it's a regional academy here that many different departments share. We move them into uh, some uh, post-academy training at the department, which is about another month long, give or take. And then we put them with a field training officer for about another three months. So, you know, all total, they're short, just short of a year of training before they ever even hit the street mm-hmm. by themselves. So a very thorough process. And and some wash out during that field training phase. No, absolutely. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 You know, if we put a group of... Of 12, say, into the academy, uh, on average, we'll usually lose at least one of them during the actual academy itself. Um, and then, you know, there's opportunities there throughout that for us to screen out other folks. Because, again, it's it's a vetting process. It's not just a, okay, we think they can be a cop. Yeah, yeah. It's now you are uh, in a position to be a recruit, and we want to make sure that uh, they can be tested on a lot of different things, both academically as well as, you know, tactically. Uh, because at the end of the day, I've got to be able to go home and sleep at night knowing that Officer X or Y is out there and can handle whatever they're Yeah, yeah, with. yeah. So the background, like the psychological, and, and the, I know that I sit on the oral board uh, for you guys once in a while, and it's tough. They're asked some tough questions, and they better come prepared. And a lot of them, we don't move forward with that. Um, so psychological, they're looking for anger issues, how they're going to handle under stress. So it's it's not just go talk to a doctor and, and answer some questions that easy it's it's those processes are very long no absolutely they, they hit them with a battery of tests and uh, some of those interviews and testing uh, procedures they do last four to five hours sometimes. yeah yeah and, uh, we're again we're trying to make sure that when when this officer he or she is put into a difficult taxing situation that they're going to respond appropriately right so that's, right that's the critical part of that the psychological yeah best of the best so um i i also know that that a lot of departments will you know you put down five references on your application. Well, they'll go to those people and they'll talk to them about the applicant. Then they'll say, give me three names of people that they know and so on. So you guys are digging deep to find out any issues at all on this person oh definitely and that's yeah. that's what needs to be done no no doubt and you know it's so we'll hit the references you give us certainly we'll make sure we've got an understanding and then to your point we'll ask for additional ones from them and then uh, you know depending on where you've lived we may just go start knocking on doors yeah. in your neighborhood yeah uh, even if you didn't list that person yeah. we want to know is hey marco lives next door you know, he's, he's trying to be a police officer with Lynchburg. What, what do you think? You know, has he got the temperament to do it? Is he somebody that, you know, the, the analogy I always use uh, when I talk to folks is I say, if, you know, if you're my candidate, Marco is, I say, if Marco showed up at your door at 2 o'clock in the morning with the appropriate training uh, and, and equipment, would you feel comfortable with his personality and his disposition handling mm-hmm. your call? Right. Um, and if the answer to that is no, then that's a big red flag for me. Right, right, right. Yeah. yeah, yep, you need to look into that. Absolutely. Um, use of force. So I know they're talking about police reform. You know, we don't track use of force. They do. When I started in 85, we, we took somebody to the ground with a simple technique, and we have to call a supervisor because we went hands-on with them. That was in 85, and now it's I can't imagine what it is now. So so can you explain that when the police have to use force, whether whether it's a taser, heaven forbid, a firearm, or pepper spray, uh, a takedown, um, what's the process of that? 
Yeah, so we thoroughly investigate all uses of force uh, by our officers. Um, so anytime, any type of physical force, to your point, it would be something as simple as me going to grab a hold of your arm to put you in custody, you resist a little bit, and we literally just take you straight to the ground and put you in handcuffs. Mm -hmm. We're going to investigate that thoroughly. Or anytime there's even an allegation of an injury. So let's say I walked up to you, put you in handcuffs, you didn't resist, I get you handcuffed, and afterwards you say, hey, you know, you hurt my shoulder when you did that. Mm -hmm. We'll investigate that as well thoroughly. And so that's a thorough investigation. It's initiated by the first line supervisor. Um, and then they gather all the information. They're going to go out and uh, canvas that neighborhood, wherever that took place, to see Did anybody else see anything. Yeah. Uh, you know, they'll look for, you know, closed circuit television, anything like that, to see uh, if anybody has uh, any uh, evidence of what did or didn't take place. Uh, they're going to confirm what actions were appropriate. Uh, they're also going to confirm what actions may be inappropriate. Mm -hmm. right? um, that process is uh, completed. It's run all the way up through the chain, uh, so everybody looks at it. Um, and then we make sure it's in compliance with our policy, obviously. Uh, we have a tracking system in place, uh, to your point, even back as far as the 80s, as you said. Yeah. Uh, but we have technology now uh, that we track uh, all of our officers' actions through. Uh, those officers' actions are, are cataloged in a database, um, and we look at those through a early intervention system. So yeah. that if you know Marco's been involved in X number of uses of force over a certain period of time, it'll flag it, and we'll go and look and see what's happening. Because you know what we realize is it's not just what's going on on the job, right? Marco may be at home as our officer, and he may be having marital issues, right? right. Or he may be having some issues where he's considering drinking alcohol every night. He gets mm -hmm. home to, in excess, right? Mm -hmm. And so we want to make sure we're looking at the whole officer. We take kind of a holistic approach when we do that to make sure that uh, our officers when they're out there are using the minimal amount of force necessary to, right. to take someone into custody and uh, you know no officer comes to work ever and says oh man I really hope I get to use force today because, right, you know, right right those are very very stressful situations for everybody involved and uh, you know they're, they're, they can be very dangerous as well so uh, we make sure that we do everything we can from a scenario based training uh, piece whether it's a firearms firearms training simulator or fats machine that we use or if it's stuff out at our range where we have people in a red man suit or mm -hmm. a suit where the taser can be deployed, things like that. And we're constantly doing that training. It's not just we give you that training I talked about up front and then we send right. you off and never training. Yeah. We're annually and, and semi-annually training folks on a variety of topics related to use of force. Yep. So you get an officer that, you know, okay, I'm, I'm one of your officers out on the street and, and I tell somebody they're under arrest and they say, what for? And I grab them and slam them to the ground. What happens to me? The supervisor comes out. Okay, that's not proper use of force. You know, we didn't. I didn't use verbal skills or enough verbal skills. So, what happens to me if I, as an officer, if I go overboard and just, you know, what this guy is always hands on. He doesn't have to be. Right. So, absolutely. You know, anytime we have officers that are stepping outside of policy yeah. or the law, you know, if it's something where an officer has potentially broken the law, mm -hmm. uh, we will immediately contact Virginia State Police to have them conduct an outside investigation yeah. into any criminal activity on the officer's behalf. Yeah. Um, and then from an piece we'll review that internally um, and if someone stepped out of bounds they're going to be disciplined mm -hmm. um, and you know, we follow progressive discipline meaning that you know if that scenario you just said played out and we disciplined you with whatever the discipline was today and then two months from now you do the same thing again you're not going to get the same discipline. You're going right. to get a higher level of discipline, you know, and up to and including termination. Right. Uh, you know, because the reality is we've got to have trust in our community. Mm -hmm. uh, folks need to understand that we're a legitimate organization, and the only way to do that is to hold our officers and ourselves accountable when, yeah. when folks step out of line. Yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, years and years and years and years ago, it was cops didn't tell on cops. They stuck up for, for each other. But I saw those, uh, and it's a good thing, I saw the, that attitude fade and around the 90s because cops were realizing, you know what, I'm working with somebody who's out of control and that's going to cost me 
everything I've worked hard for one day. Uh, so you, do you see that as well? You absolutely. Know, yeah. So a prime example of that, I think, is uh, there was a news story run a couple weekends ago um, that uh, listed the number of complaints we've had um, in the last uh, five-year period, mm-hmm. right? So through 2019. During that period, we had 205 complaints over a five-year period, so 41 a year on average. Um, what didn't get separated out in that in that news story was out of that 205 complaints, 54 of those were initiated by my officers or my staff. Wow. So over, yeah. over 25% wow. uh, of the complaints over a five-year period were initiated by my officers. So that yeah. speaks exactly to what you're talking about yeah. is, you know, no one likes a bad cop worse than a good cop. That's right. That's um, right. And they're not putting up with it anymore. No, absolutely not. And, and to your point, you know, maybe decades ago that was more common. But, yeah. you know, in today's day and age, I don't see that here in Lynchburg. I see our folks recognizing when somebody crosses a line, and we hold them accountable. And, yeah. Uh, to your point, they, they don't want to be judged by the actions of somebody else. Right. Uh, so they're going to step up and make sure that people know uh, they're not going to tolerate that behavior. Yeah, yeah. I had a, a couple questions on Facebook, uh, and one guy wanted to know if a free clinic was offered for teaching wrestling skills to the police officers, um, being the goal to better subdue and safely restrain suspects, would you guys accept it? And we, we talked about this before we went on air. Yeah, so we actually, are, uh, our defensive tactics uh, component of our police academy already teaches uh, what we call ground fighting. And I know those guys. Those are those guys that teach that are dialed in. Oh, yeah. They're uh, very good. No, and, that, and that's it, right? Because the reality is we want to control the situation uh, as quickly as we can right. in order to prevent injuries both to the individual that's being arrested as well as right. the officers. And so, you know, the other challenge with any type, a lot of times we do get offers like this from the community and as appreciative as we are of yeah, those yeah, offers. Yeah. Um, any training we provide to our officers on that type of stuff has to go through DCJS, which Absolutely. is the Department of Criminal Justice Services in Virginia. They regulate all the training for law enforcement and certify law enforcement officers. So, you know, they provide that training as a part of the academy, the ground fighting, and that's something our folks uh, are, are pretty well versed on. And, and hopefully we they don't have to use, but obviously if they do, they've got the exposure to that yeah. to do it. And with that, there's advanced um, training on weapon retention and, you know, things happen. People fight and, and uh, Fight, fight, street fights a bad fight, you know, and, and, but, but I know, you know, from, from watching you guys that they're taught uh, with the, the best instructors that, that we can get. Yeah. yeah it's, it's a pretty uh, intense training that, that goes on at the academy. And uh, in fact, our folks are down there, I think, uh, this week actually getting some defensive tactics training to finish up the, the end of their academy. And, uh, you know, that's, that's something quite honestly that can save their lives and also save other people's lives yep. as well. So, we and sure if you don't pass that portion, that's where you can be washed out of the high process yeah 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 Yeah. without a doubt I always tell uh, firearms driving and defensive tactics are the big liabilities for police departments no absolutely so there's a lot of training in there Um, do you know if driver another question do you know if driver's ed uh, teaches what to do if you're pulled over by the police that's a good question. I don't definitively know that, but I would yeah. say if it isn't taught, I think that would be a great opportunity yeah. to, to do just that. You know, we do some uh, training sessions in the community of, you know, what to expect when you, know, you interact with the police. And mm-hmm. uh, and that's a part of that because, you know, there's a lot of uncertainty, right? And, you know, if you're a, a citizen, a resident in our community that gets stopped, you know, your first reaction is, oh, my God, what did I do wrong? Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Um, and, you know, the reality is, is our officers are trained uh, as they approach a car. And, and it's in our policy that if I, I stopped you, I'd walk up and say, you know, good afternoon good evening whatever it may be sir mm-hmm. the reason i stopped you is right. x and uh you know do you have your license registration with you because hopefully that 
takes it and kind of de-escalates that situation right, right from the get-go instead of getting into a, a confrontation about, hey, you were doing this. No, I wasn't. Yes, I was. Hey, look, this is why I stopped you. Right? Yeah, yeah. And, and, yeah. Here's, and here's who I am. You know, they should introduce themselves as well again uh, as opposed to kind of the old days, which is, hey, license and registration. I know, right? I know. Which, I had a guy that, that I worked with in my early years, license and registration, and the people would say, what you stop me for? License and registration. Could you tell me what you stopped me for? License and registration. And I'm like, just tell them what you stopped yes. them for, you know. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, he was very unique. He's probably listening right now. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, and I tell people in the gun in the firearm safety classes that when the police walk up on your car, if you're carrying, hands at 10 and 2, and immediately they walk up, I am a concealed carry holder. It's on my right side, Absolutely. or it's in the glove box, or it's under the seat, or wherever, to get that out in the open. And then the officer will tell you what to do. You know, yeah, you can that, keep it there, sit tight, or whatever. Yeah. That communication is, is just so critical. Huge. Right? I mean, just huge. on both sides, on yeah, the officer's yeah, side and, and on the citizen's side, because it's important that they understand uh, what's going on. And, you know, the more we can... Uh, I tell our officers, you know, we need to treat people how we would want our mother, our grandma, absolutely, our nephew, our niece, our child, whoever it may be, and uh, yeah, you know, treat folks with a, the utmost amount of respect at right. all times. Yep, absolutely. Citizens of Police, Citizens Police Academy, huge. Absolutely. So if I want to learn how LPD or law enforcement works in general, I can take the. Can you talk about that, the Citizens Police Academy? Yes, we've been running the Citizens Police Academy here in Lynchburg for over twenty years. Nice. Um, and uh, obviously, it's a little bit of a hiatus right now with COVID uh, yeah, yeah. and the pandemic going on. Our goal is uh, once we are able to do that, is get that back up and running uh, as long as we can do it safely. Uh, but it's a great opportunity. It's a uh, several week class. Uh, don't quote me on the length. Uh, we've adjusted it over the last couple of times, but uh, I believe eight weeks or so, give or take. Uh, we'll come in one night a week. Uh, and we will expose you to all sorts of different things. Uh, we will show you, first and foremost, a little bit of what we do mm -hmm. uh, as a department, give you a little background of the history and things like that, and then we get into stuff that's a little more fun, right? So they'll get to come out and see a, uh, a police dog in action, see what yeah. happens with that. They'll get to come out to the range if they want to and fire some of the weapons that we utilize. Um, and then one of the most, I think, um, the biggest learning experiences for folks is we put them through our, our FATS machine, that firearms training. Yeah, simulator. yeah. And, you know, a lot of times uh, people get all of their education on what law enforcement does from the movies or television or uh -huh. social media. Surprise, surprise. Uh, not always accurate, right? Yeah. And, uh, you know, a lot of times we hear that, well, well, why didn't you just shoot like this? Or why didn't you just do it like mm -hmm. that? And, uh, you know, we have folks that go through those the, the scenarios that are in that firearms training simulator. And what they find, we find a lot of times is one of two things happens is uh, they either freeze up mm -hmm. um, and don't take any action, mm -hmm. right, uh, which certainly could lead to their death if they were an officer, or uh, they literally shoot everything that moves. Right, right. And, uh, right. So I think it's an eye-opening experience for folks to understand that you know, these officers are being inundated uh, with all sorts of different information in a very short period of time. Right. And they're having to make a split-second decision on, do I pull the trigger or do I not? Am I right with policy? Am I right with state law? Am I right with my own personal ethics and feelings and beliefs? All that in a fraction of a second. And then we have the opportunity to break it down and study it right. and watch the the. Uh, dash cam video or the body cam yeah. six or seven times and then say what we would have done it, it's uh yeah yeah it's, it's an imperfect world unfortunately and you know we're, we're asking officers in many situations to make split second decisions based on only partial information right uh that you, to your point is then uh you know mold over for days yeah, weeks, yeah. sometimes months yeah. in, in jury trials or, or by people have like never even been in a police car before right well yeah. maybe not in the front seat <laughs> but in a police car but yeah right. there's so many experts out there uh anything you wanted to add about the department or uh 
You know, I, I think uh, as, as we continue to, to progress, and you know, law enforcement has changed uh, mm-hmm. so much over the years, as we mentioned earlier, and it's going to continue to evolve. We recognize that, you know, and we're we're committed as a law enforcement agency here in Lynchburg to being transparent and accountable. Uh, you know, we're, we're going out and uh, uh, trying to give folks an opportunity over the next several weeks to, to hear kind of what we do. I think, you know, it's really important for us to do a better job of educating the public right. on what we do, how we do it, and most importantly, why we do it. Right. right? Um, and then equally as important, is for us to understand you know, what the public's perception is of some of our actions and how we carry things out. Because right. a, a lot of times I think there's uh, some misnomers on both sides, quite mm-hmm. honestly. Yeah. Uh, so the, the more relationships we can build in the community, the better that folks can understand who we are. You know, I, I'd love for uh, our community members to know all of my officers on a first-name basis. Yeah. You know? And that goes back to what you said earlier about the license and registration. Yeah. When I went through the police academy, we were taught don't ever tell anybody your first name. Yeah. Never tell right, them, right. Right. If they ask you your first name, it's officer. Yeah. Right? Yeah. 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 Well, you know, this is 2020. That's and, right. And we want to build relationships. You know, I tell people when I meet them, I'm Ryan. You don't need to call me chief. You don't right. Need to call yeah. Me yeah. Anything else. Because, yeah. you know, I put my pants on just like you do. That's right. Uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a father. I'm a, a brother. You know, I'm yeah. a husband and all these other things. And I think we've really got to try and humanize our officers because it's so easy to to look at the uniform. Right. And just think that that's, you know, a robot that's going to go out and act perfectly. Intimidating. But yeah. We're, yeah. We're human beings. Right. And, and sometimes we make mistakes. Right, and, right, uh, yeah. You know, we're going to own up to those uh, when that happens and make sure we learn from those and, yeah. and keep moving forward. Yeah. So. And you guys have a policy book, and a lot of people don't realize that there's literally a policy for sitting in the police car. You know, seat belt, how you back up, all that training. It's you, you, you just, from the minute you come on property, the police department, you're under a huge, huge policy book. Yeah. And, it's, and if you don't follow that policy, you start getting in trouble. You eventually lose your job. But literally everything a, a police officer does daily is under policy. It's written. Yeah, yeah. And we encourage our folks, you know, for about the last three years or so, the overwhelming majority of our policies are online. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they can go on our website and look at those. Excellent. Know, the only ones we don't put on there are ones that, that uh, specify tactics that we will use yeah, in yeah. certain situations, right. obviously for safety reasons for our right. officers. But yeah, we encourage folks to go out there. I mean, the use of force policy alone, I think, don't quote me on it, but it's probably 14 pages. I'm sure it is. Like yeah. And you know, we encourage folks to go educate themselves as much as they can on that because to your point, there's a there's rules for about the overwhelming majority of things we do right. uh, that kind of guide our actions each and every day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and you know, I was a supervisor for a while, and I just wouldn't, I wouldn't cover anything up. I wouldn't cover a complaint up. And I was a sergeant, and uh, the guys above me wouldn't cover a complaint up because it puts them at risk. Absolutely. So it's not, you know, a lot of people say, well, cops do it, and, and they don't get in trouble for it. Yeah, they do. They do. And But the media doesn't put that out there that cops are getting suspended, they're getting days off without pay, they're they're missing out on promotions because of things they've done. You know, I mean, it's a fireable offense, they're fired. Right. But we don't hear that. Well, it's, it's interesting. You know, we were looking at some data recently, and, uh, you know, when I say this data I'm about to share with you, it's not something I say because I'm proud, but mm-hmm. it's something I say because it shows that we do exactly what you're saying, which is hold people accountable. But to, since 2001 in the Lynchburg Police Department, uh, a little over 50, don't quote me on the exact number I don't have it in front of me, but... Uh, around 50 officers have either been fired or have resigned in lieu of being fired right uh, for actions that were outside of our guidelines right you know, that's so, professionalism so that's you know just under three officers a year now granted we're a 200 person department yeah. you know uh, but it shows that you know we we aren't going to tolerate you're not playing around with it yeah. absolutely yeah absolutely. Yep. absolutely good well thank you for coming today I know you're busy 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 especially in these times that we're having I know you're busy but I appreciate the time and I know the listeners are going to appreciate 
uh, hearing the facts about it. And then go to your website. You said the policy is on the website? Yep, yep. So Excellent. That's, website. that's really good. We're actually in the process of upgrading our website here in the next few months. We'll have a, a brand new website that's custom designed for the PD so we can hopefully uh, better share a lot of the information that we have, be a little yeah. more transparent with some of that as well. But good. Uh, yeah, I, I appreciate you having me and, uh, and certainly appreciate uh, folks supporting the, the police department. This is your police department, not yeah. the police department. And uh, you know, we'll continue to partner and protect with our community uh, no matter the times. Excellent. Thank you, Chief Ryan Zudema with uh, Lynchburg Police Department, Lynchburg, Virginia. Um, you guys have been listening to Active Listening with T4 Tactics. Thanks for tuning in. Be safe, reduce injuries, and save lives. Take care, everyone.